0: You're listening to COSAM Talks, the monthly podcast for Auburn University's College of Sciences and Mathematics. Today on COSAM Talks, we are speaking with Brian Counterman from the Department of Biological Sciences. Brian is the recipient of a prestigious National Science Foundation Career Award for more than $1.5 million. He's going to talk about his research, which focuses on the fascinating responses seen in butterflies in regard to changing genetic and environmental factors. Welcome, Brian. Welcome, Brian. Hi,
1: thanks for coming by today, Maria.
0: Before we talk about your research, we would love to know more about you. Can you share a little information about yourself?
1: Sure, I actually come from Southern California. It's been quite a while since I was there. I did my undergraduate at University of California, Santa Barbara, and then about 20 years ago, I took off from there to start my graduate work, which I did at Louisiana State University, and then finished my PhD at Duke University did my postdoctoral work over at NC State in Raleigh, and then I've uh, previously been a professor over at Mississippi State, and just moved over here about a year and a half ago.
0: Did anyone or anything in particular spark your interest in science?
1: Absolutely, teachers have had a great influence on me. As a physics teacher in high school really kind of saw the first time how I could put math together with science, and math was something I was always excelled at in school. And he was just a real personable guy. Had some really fun experiments and got me excited about it, and really pushed me in that direction. And then when I went to college, I was actually a, a physics major in my undergraduate ended up staying an extra year to major in biology, and it was really, again, another professor that I worked with, a guy, Scott Hodges, that worked on color patterns in flowers that got me working into his laboratory and set me onto this path.
0: That is terrific. Now, can you tell us how did you begin working with butterflies?
1: So I switched to butterflies uh, during my postdoc work. So this is when I started at North Carolina State University. And what I really was doing there was I wanted to work on a specific group of butterflies, Heliconius. They have these bright, vivid wing color patterns that are actually warnings to their predators that they are toxic or unpalatable. And several different species of these butterflies will mimic or have identical wing color patterns to other highly divergent species. It's really pretty incredible. And this has been uh, well-renowned for quite some time. And actually, Darwin actually wrote that these were one of the greatest examples of natural selection in the wild over 150 years ago. So I was able to work on a group of organisms that have been continuously studied for over 150 years.
0: That is impressive. Now, I wanted to ask you about the butterflies you work with. Is it important to work with the species that can be found locally, such as in the Black Belt Prairie?
1: Absolutely. Having local access to the butterflies really opens up a lot of opportunities. So my first NSF grant was actually on the Heliconius butterflies, and I did a lot of traveling down to their home range, which is in South and Central America. As fun as great as that is, it also posed a lot of challenges, and could also be quite expensive. It was really much more feasible if I could study some of these same questions I was interested in in a butterfly that was flying in my own backyard and it really also opens the door up for students to do a lot of projects very readily and accessibly.
0: Now, the markings on the female the male and female dog face butterflies are different. Can you explain how this impacts your research?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, their wing color patterns as far as we see them actually look pretty simple. They're just some yellow and with some black on the margins and they they don't look that striking or necessarily that exciting, and they're butterflies that you would probably see fairly regularly, uh, perhaps flying through your own uh, own backyards around here. However, what we don't see is that they have an ultraviolet reflectance, and it's only the males that have this ultraviolet that we can't see. Now we have some special equipment in the lab so that we can see it and we can photograph it, but what we're really interested in is what makes this UV reflectance. And it's not a pigment-based color it's actually nanostructures on the surface of the wing scales and so we want to study and better understand the development of these nanostructures that cause the uv reflection that we're also interested in how the males having this uv reflection how that may impact a female's mate choice and that does a female want to mate with a male that has a bright UV rather than some other male and how that influences speciation in this group of butterflies.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Now, your research uses plasticity or the genetics of plastic response. Can you explain what plasticity is?
1: Sure. Plasticity is really just a variation in a trait that's due to environmental change. And so, actually, the textbook example of plasticity is seasonal changes on the colors of butterfly wings and so it's actually the group of butterflies that I study that these concepts were first described many years back and what you'll often find in, in a lot of butterfly species is that in the colder time they tend to have darker wing color morphs and in the summer or warmer times they'll have lighter colors and we've seen that with these dog face butterflies in the black belt prairies, that when it gets cold and coming around October, or they're just popping out, like right now coming to March and April, they tend to have a real bright pink coloration actually on their wings. But what we found was even more striking is that there was a plasticity in the UV, and that when we looked at the UV of the ones that were f- collected in the cold months, they had no ultraviolet on their hind wings. Versus the ones in the summer have a very bright, large UV reflectance on their hindwing. And so we want to look at this plastic response in the black belt prairies of what's causing this and how does that impact the female mate preference throughout the seasons.
0: Now, can you tell us a little bit about how climate change affects the butterflies and affects the plasticity?
1: Absolutely. So climate change is of course going to result in uh, some different temperatures as time goes on. And one of the biggest changes we actually see with climate change is the nighttime lows. And that is how cold does it actually get at night? And that's the temperature that's really changing the most drastically. And even here in the local Black Belt prairies, we can see some of these records in that it's just not getting as cold year round. And so what this would do in terms of plasticity is it would change the different color pattern morphs that are flying around and uh, such as the ultraviolet reflectance which could thereby actually be impacting the frequency that butterflies have ultraviolet reflectance and in fact We have another study going on that's not local with the black Belt prairies, but we go all the way over to the Southern California mountain range where the same species of dog-faced butterfly we have here is flying. And up in the uh, Southern California mountains, it comes in contact with its sister species. And up there, it snows, and it's cold. And we have found that they have a different ultraviolet coloration in these snowy, cold populations. And when they lose their UV on their hindwing, there's some evidence that suggests the other species may be more likely to want to mate with them and to lead to hybridization and impact the speciation between these two butterflies. And that's one aspect of what we want to test with the grant that we just got, is really looking at this mate preference and how it may be influencing the propensity of two species to hybridize with each other or not.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Now, is there anything else you can share about your research or anything else you want to talk about the grant that you've received?
1: You know, um, the other, these career grants, what's really exciting about them is it's not just about the research working on butterfly wing color patterns. You know, in one regard, butterflies are a great model system for me, and I often get regarded as the butterfly guy. But in reality, they're just a great system for me to study some basic biological processes. And as much as we're looking at the plasticity, we're also doing a lot of the genetics. And one of the things I tell my students when they're working in the laboratory, both the undergraduate and graduate students, is some of the genes that we're looking at, what they're actually controlling is the inside cytoskeletal structure of a cell. Now, when it comes to what controls the cytoskeletal structure to make these UV reflecting uh, ridges on the scale surface, it's actually the same genes that are controlling the growth of our own cells. And it's some of these same genes that have been implicated in the little, what they call the melopedia, almost like the little legs that cancer cells stick out that give them their motility to move around. And there's a real nice parallel between the growth of these butterfly wing scales and the growth of these little appendages on the cancer cells. And because of of this, of what we refer to as homology between these two cell structures, we can study butterfly wing scales and their genetics and how they're responding to various environments and various genetic changes. And it'll actually inform us about basic biological processes that we can even apply to research such as cancer. Now, that's not something we do in my lab. We don't apply anything in a medical sense, but we contribute our knowledge to the bigger scientific field for people to build on. And so there's that scientific knowledge component and research component but the other i think as you're aware is there's a really awesome outreach component to this grant and that's really the 50 percent of these career grants from nsf is for us to take our research and integrate it with an outreach and education plan with the low uh, local populations around and so um for that what we're doing is we have a year-long program we'll be running every year over the next five years where we work with middle school teachers and students in local schools with a particular uh, effort to outreach students from rural and underrepresented areas of alabama and we're going to bring the teachers in over the summer for a week long summer program where we teach them how to conduct some different research with the butterflies just some real simple rearing experiments and then after that week-long workshop they're going to go back that fall semester and we're going to send them three brown bag experiments these are actually going to be brown lunch bags full of everything they need for each student to do an experiment and they're going to have a series of three different experiments on the butterflies they do throughout the fall semester And they're going to be looking at how putting these butterflies that we send them, or actually the uh, pupa, that's when they're in their chrysalis, we'll send them to the classroom and we're going to have some of them put them in the fridge and some of them set them on the shelf. And we're going to see how that impacts their wing color patterns. We're going to send them some origami microscopes that the students will get to keep. And they'll actually be able to look at the individual butterfly scales and these structures that I'm saying cause the UV reflectance, the students will be able to look at this with these microscopes that they get to keep. In the long run, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to get the students excited about science. We're hoping to be able to mentor some of the students in these classrooms to, for a project that they can uh, submit and present at the state and regional um, science fairs uh, that uh, we do, the regional one here at Auburn University and then at the end the final capstone will be in the spring semester for the teachers and the students. Mm -hmm. We're going to bring them out to the Whaley Field Center and we're going to have a fun day with them. I've shown them all sorts of different science and my lab is actually going to give them a presentation of all the results from their own classroom experiments and they'll get to see how each of these different classrooms and teachers that we've worked with are contributing to a bigger project that are giving us insights on the plasticity of these wing color patterns.
0: Now if you are, if a local teacher or if a local school is interested in working with you on this project, what is the best way to contact you?
1: Right now, the best way to contact me is going to be through email. And uh, what we're hoping to set up, and I'm working with my college, is to get a web page so that you can easily uh, find us. I'm working with some principals from some nearby schools to contact some teachers and make some arrangements for our first round of teaching, first round that we'll have coming in. Um, But our goal is to really find uh, opportunities, particularly might be difficult during COVID, where we can really go find and interact face to face with some of the teachers. Now, even if uh, uh, we aren't able to go in person, we're also doing some recordings to help the students go through, and some videos to help the students go through their experiments in the classroom. And we plan to zoom into the classroom throughout the semesters as well. Um, So that's really kind of the general idea of what we're going to do, and still kind of putting together some of the pieces on how we're going to recruit the teachers and the students, Um, but real excited that we've got a couple that we might be able to start with the first year and get started from there. But email right now is definitely going to be the best way to contact me.
0: Well, that is so great. So you're really not just having an NSF grant and having the research, but you're really impacting the next generation of STEM leaders. And you're really having an opportunity to inspire these middle school students to pursue a career in science.
1: Absolutely. And that's, again, going back to why black belt prairies and local butterflies, we're going to be able to use a butterfly that flies in these kids' own backyard. And we want to teach them that they can just go to their own backyard and find some really fun stuff to go tackle in terms of a scientific project. And just to do get them interested in science in general. So real excited to be able to do that. I really love interacting with the kids. I've got two young daughters myself of the same age and uh, really been able to see how much they love being able to be involved in these kinds of projects.
0: Well, thank you so much, Brian. We appreciate you joining us today. Is there anything else that you wanted to share?
1: You know, I think that really wraps it up, Maria. I think I told you guys a whole lot today about the research that we're doing and Hopefully I taught you guys some fun things about wing color patterns and plasticity and the research we're doing. And I'd really just encourage anybody uh, that's interested to reach out to me. In particular, if you're a middle school teacher in the Alabama area, contact me if you'd be interested in the program. I'd love to get you involved.
0: Thank you for joining me for this edition of COSAM Talks. If you would like to read more about Brian's research or reach out to him, you can visit auburn.edu forward slash COSAM, visit obi, aub.ie forward slash counterman, or search the hashtag hashtag COSAM Talks on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thank you, Brian. It was a pleasure having you.
1: Thanks, Maria.